Uh, Jesus didn't have a problem with people that's in the streets. He had a problem with religious people. How can I help anybody when I'm not even when I was not even able to help my own son? I would never do that. I would never do that. And I became that in a matter of minutes when they took my pain pills away. And I said, I'm not where I want to be. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. Ugh. This is Faith in Your Recovery. I am Randy Davis. Welcome to the battle. We're excited you're with us. Our guest today is Davin Fisher. Welcome, Davin. Hi. Yeah, it's good to have you with us. We appreciate you making that long trip from where? Burn, Indiana. Burn, Indiana. All right. Well, we're glad you're here with us. We look forward to what you had to share. You're a part of the A Better Life, Brianna's Hope chapter there in Burn. Yes? Yes, I am. All right. How long have you been attending there? Since the very first meeting on May 13th of last year. Uh-huh. So what? That's a year and a half kind of thing thereabouts. Yes. Okay. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Thank you. We appreciate that kind of support. Looking forward to hearing your story. Introduce yourself to the folks out there listening. Tell them a little bit about where you're at in life and who you are. My name is Davin Fisher. I am a recovering addict. Uh, my drug ab- my drug use started in 2012. Um, currently, I have my own place, my own vehicle, which none of those things was even a, th- a thing in 2012. I was very codependent. Um, I married a gentleman that was abusive mentally and physically, so I chose to self-medicate then. I got sober and then went back forth. We'll, uh, we'll dig into that deep here in a little while, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what, you, what do you like to do with your extra time? Do you have hobbies, likes? Um, actually, I enjoy helping people that are very fresh into recovery or that have had years of recovery, like just being that person to help them reaching out. Um, I'm, I have a dog named Buddha that is my world. What he, kind? What kind he of dog? He is a gator mouth pit. A what? A gator mouth pit, which means he has a wider mouth span. Oh, so I've he never smiles. Heard of that. Okay, I've got him pictured with this <laughs> real long snout of a sort. Okay, so okay, cool, cool. So let's go back to early in life. Tell us about Davin as a young person, your upbringing. Um, I grew up with a mom and dad, brother, sister. My dad worked. My mom stayed home, took care of the house, cooked, cleaned, you know, the whole nine yards. Uh, later on, I found out I had two brothers from my dad's first marriage, so I kind of reached out to them. I believe I was in sixth grade when I met them for the first time. It wasn't like I was actually quite spoiled, to be completely honest. I was a daddy's girl. What I wanted, I got. So with those brothers, were you able to make a healthy connection? Um, Growing up with my brother and sister, yes. My other two brothers were quite a bit older than me. Okay. Like there's a nine-year gap between my youngest brother of the two. That makes a big difference as Mm -hmm. far as that connection. We're almost a generation different. Not quite, but yes, yes. What what did you like to do as a young person? I had a trampoline. We lived in the country uh, a mile and a half to get to my house. So it was, friends was not a thing. Me and my brother, we'd swing in the hayloft off of a rope or, you know, make snow forts. We played were, outside a lot. You were creative in what you did. And mm-hmm. uh, 
It sounds like spend a lot of time outdoors, a lot of time playing, playing together. It sounds like a good family setup at that time. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, what were some of your first steps? What led you down the path of addiction? Do other members in your family have addiction issues? Yes. Um, quite a few of them. If they're not in addiction, they are in jail or prison. Um, my mom tried to shield me from that growing up. There were certain family members I wasn't allowed to be around. Well, when I turned 18, I was like, you know, I can do what I want. So I went around those family members and they introduced me. Um, the one introduced me to methamphetamine. So you started off with meth. That was your gateway drug, for lack of better terms, or at least your starting drug? No, I nope. started out with pills, actually. Okay. Uh, Vicodin, Percocet. They um, gave me energy, gave me a boost. I could get things done. How old were you? Uh, 22, I believe. When you first started with pills and all, yes. right? Okay, and then from there you moved on to meth. Yes. How long was it the pills and then you kind of exchanged that for the meth? About a uh, year, and then I, I um, connected with a family member, and he we was doing pills, and he's like, hey, I got something better. And the way he told me is the only way to do it was with a, a syringe, I didn't know anything about it, so I trusted him because, you know, I wanted that family bond. And it went downhill from there. So you started with going intravenous uh, yes. there with the, you know, yeah, with the syringe. Okay. Tell us about that battle, the battle within you, how you were able to get your drugs, why or what kept you tied to those drugs and how that addiction progressed. Well, that family member knew how to make it. It was called Shake shake Dope, but um, used a Gatorade bottle, um, a lot of hard chemicals, which, you know, I looked at it, and I couldn't believe that I'd put that in my body, but I didn't want to come down either. My husband at the time had no idea. He would go to bed. I would leave and go to that family member's house until one day I pulled up my arm, and I had an arthritis band on it took that off and he seen all the bruises and he told me it was either that or him and his children. So I went through the withdrawal for about a week and got sober for a little while and then went back to it later on when he asked me for a divorce. So you went back to it after he had asked for the divorce? Yes, about two and a half years after I had got clean. Okay, and when you said you went back to it, that was back to meth? Yes, I went back to meth, but this time I was only smoking it. Um, I found other friends to use with, and I think I went to jail at that time to get sober. Well, I had theft charges because I'd rather spend my money on drugs than to buy things. You know, I have heard it said, I spoke to one of our, uh, well, actually the sheriff here in Jay County some time back, and he said he has no doubts that 92 to 94% of the inmates in the Jay County jail are there on drug-related charges, not necessarily using, not necessarily possession, but related because they were stealing that money, as you just said, to get that drug. So it was the actual theft that got you sent to jail? Yes. How long? Um, the first time it was a slap on the wrist, actually here in Jay County, I got caught stealing at Walmart. 
and they had looked at my record from Adams County and was like, look, you get a year due six months. So I was incarcerated for six months and I come out and I sober for a while again. And I got with another guy that was not very nice and went back to using because I thought I was the only one going through it. So self-medication was the easiest out at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And you said you spent six months there in the jail. What was that experience for you? Did you sit there anxious to get back out and use, anxious to get back out and live, just anxious to get out or... Yeah, tell us about that. Um, I was anxious to get out. Uh, I had talked to my mom, and she allowed me to move back home when I got released so I could reconnect with my mom and my sister. She had just had my niece at the time. She's now 16. She was four or five when I finally got back into her life. And I stayed there for a while, and I thought I could whoop the world again and moved out and got around the wrong people again. So I went back to using drugs again, like it's and off and on, like I get sober for a little bit and then something would happen and trigger the. Pretty much a cycle is what it sounds like. Yes. Until I actually dealt with the trauma and issues in my life that I just suppressed for so long. So how long did you go through those traumas and issues and the using of the drugs? How long did that last before you even looked at recovery? 2012 until 2019 and it I was incarcerated because of my previous charges I was looking at five different charges for this last time and the judge looked at me point blank and said if you like you're looking at 10 years I said what about drug court so that's where my journey began with recovery and at first I was like I'm just gonna do drug court and then I'll go back to my lifestyle but Due to the team members there, the structure, the fact that they didn't give up is why I'm still sober today. Like, they didn't give up on me. Where did you go through drug court? What county? Adams County. I know that, uh, you know, there's been some debate here of late on the future of what that's going to be. But you're not the first person I've met who has become a success story coming out of that, which speaks speaks volumes for who they are and what they're about. And what you just said, you made a comment how much they cared and they showed that. The other individuals had the, those very same feelings. So, you know, they they picked the right people. Mm-hmm. I know politics will play into this. I know failures and successes play into it. But it obviously worked for you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. What was it that you, what, what was the one thing that hit you the hardest in a positive way by going through drug court? That the harder I fought, the more they fought for me. And they listened to me. Like, if I was struggling, um say I had a bad day, I knew I could reach out to them and be like, hey, because in drug court, you have to be very transparent in order for it to be a helpful, positive support. And she'd never, she, they helped me with family stuff. They helped me with a lot. Um, they gave me the tools. I'd love the word you use there, the transparency. That's a part of recovery is becoming honest with yourself, looking mm-hmm. within and letting others see within. Having that person in your life, in your corner, where you can go, I'm distressed today, and I don't like what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. I don't like what I'm considering. 
give me another choice. Help me through this, which could just mean sitting here for a while. I mean, normal appointments would last 15 or 20 minutes, but most of my appointments was well into 45 or an hour. Just talking about my day or, you know, people I've met or the meeting, it varied from time to time. I think that's the power of the recovery meeting, however your room may look. You've got to be able to to speak out, to not feel judged for it, to be honest, not to have to hide anything or hold it in. I can lay it on the table and you're still going to respect me. You're still going to believe in me. And especially from a judicial side, like... They're used to putting people in jail or prison or whatever the case may be. So for them to take that time, it meant extra. Oh, my. Uh, Yeah. You have that stigma from both sides of the table that law enforcement and the judicial system look at the addict in a way that's a negative. And then you've got that feeling from the addict that looks toward the other direction with law enforcement and the judicial system and say, They don't care. All they want to do is throw me in jail. You've got to break through those barriers, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. So you've gone through drug court now. What was the next step for you, Davin? The next step was completing the program because it was 18 months or 14 months to 28 month program. Um, After that, I had made a goal that I would continue to go to meetings, however many it took. I felt most welcome at Brianna's Hope. Like, there was the least judgmental people there. They was very welcoming. Um, I was going upwards of three meetings a week when I first graduated drug court just to keep that boundary in place. I now only attend one because I get everything I need from that one meeting. You're at a different point in your life, and you've been able to fill yourself up to where you can back off a little. You can't back off completely. You know that. Yes, because you you always need that support when you're in recovery because every day is a battle. Any place in life, I want people who are going to support me. I want people who are going to be there. And on top of that, when you've got the conflict issues that go with addiction mm-hmm. you need that more than ever somebody who will just now don't turn that direction turn this one yes yeah. what you just mentioned with a better life Brianna's hope you found a, you know you didn't feel like anybody was judging you what else worked for you with a better life Brianna's hope um Like I said, support's the number one thing, Um, but the lessons, the mini lessons, the guest speakers, you know, you can always pull something from each meeting, whether it's someone else talking or you just being able to speak and they actually listen, like they're not like looking at you like you're just a druggie or anything like that. They give you hugs and, you know, there's victory tags for each uh, milestone whether it's your sobriety date or you completed a program or reunited with family. And those goals keep you going as well because you have that to take with you and hold on to. That's important to have that touchable object that says, I accomplished this. It's got to build that sense of pride from within, I would think. Oh, yes. And the um, applause and the appreciation and gratitude from other people when you receive those 
that speaks volumes too because you might not get that from your family or friends. So for other people to support your victories, it's a big thing. You've got an understanding from your peers and your leadership that not everybody can offer you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you've gone through the drug court. You spent that, how long did you say, 14 to 24 months? Is that 28 months. And I graduated 20? in 15 months. So How? What? What? is entailed in order to graduate what um, must be accomplished there's phases and there's four five phases six is graduation but like you have to have negative drug screens you go to meetings um like in phase one for instance you go to court every week you go to two meetings and you have case management every week plus therapy it's very structured and they keep your time occupied so you don't have that much time to think about using and as you continue um later on down They, oh, you go to court every three weeks or every four weeks. And they also have um, incentives like gift cards to fast food or secondhand stores to get your nails done. And it's the 100% club or the 100% club is where you meet all expectations and you get to pick a prize out of the fishbowl. So they recognize your good things. But then if you mess up, they also recognize that with like community service. They just don't throw you in jail and leave you there and they redo your case plan. So it's a lot of the structure, the time that they're willing to take out of their time to make sure they understand addiction on a different side and want to help versus just throwing you in jail or house arrest or whatever the case may be. We don't have drug court here in this county, so I didn't have a lot of familiarity with it until the past few years and having had the the privilege of working with some Adams County folks who have been through it. There have been some over in the Delaware County area that I've worked with. It sounds to me like a pretty neat program, and what I like about it is it's not one and done. It's not zero tolerance. Right. And it's not just a smack on the hand. There are ways to gain back that trust. I like the idea of the community service. It's not a punishment. It's a way to to help build you up, a way to give you pride, a way to keep you involved. So I like what I'm hearing. Unfortunately, it's no longer offered in Adams County. Yeah. But they do have another program that's similar. It's called the Grace Program. Um, I'm not sure what that entails because it happened after I graduated, but the same case management people work with the Grace people and they understand it on that. Like they still need the help and it's very structured, but they still have that. um, What do I want to say? The positive outlook on it. Okay. That, you know, just simply by the word grace, that tells me a lot, that unmerited favor, not because you deserve it, but we're going to give it to you. And you just continue to stay at that level, and we won't have to take it away or anything. So yes. that that's neat. And so I'm sure there's a lot of overlap in principles and procedures. So you got out of your drug court commitment. You finished mm-hmm. that 14 to 28 months. You were able to do yours in 15. How long ago did you say that was? 2020 is when I graduated, July 30th. Okay, so it's uh, about 18 months ago kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Tell us about life over the last 18 months. Um, I'm not going to lie, I still struggle, but, like, I know I have people I can reach out to, and it makes it a lot easier because I've established those bonds. Um, I was recently interviewed for a job, 
and they wanted to do a background check. Well, when you graduate drug court, they um, they dismiss your felony charges and you only plead out to your misdemeanors. Well, it had showed that I still had a, a felony on there. So I reached out to my case manager and she sent me a copy of their actual official database of my charges where they was all dismissed. So that was nice because I can still reach out to them, even though I've been off of everything for 18 months. Um, I'm a leader of Team Hope now. I have my own vehicle, my own place. Um, I'm able to help other people, whether it's a place to stay, whether it's just somebody to talk to or give a ride to. So it's very um, rewarding to be able to give back because when I first started, I didn't have those resources and I've gained them through the years, well, 18 months. And it's just a nice feeling to walk around with my head held high. I can conversate with an officer now without worrying about if I'm going to go to jail. <laughs> exactly. You could be more friendly in mm -hmm. that respect. Yes. Okay. I know that you had a special event take place a little while back when a lady contacted you with a with a need, right? Um, it was actually her neighbor. Okay. It was a text message, and all it said was Narcan. And now... Explain to folks what Narcan is, those who may not know. Narcan is a... It's a um, blocker for... I forget the word, but um, like heroin or any downers, um, Xanax, any of that. So... What it does is if they're overdosing, you can administer it, whether it's through a like a needle or um, nasal spray. So I was contacted and they told me to go to this apartment. They had her in a bathtub with cold water running on her. I said, turn that off because that is a myth. Cold water will not bring them out of an overdose. Um, I drug her out of the bathtub and asked how long she had been that way. They said 15 or 20 minutes because they was afraid to get in trouble. I said, well, you guys can go or you can stay, but I'm calling 911. During that time, I administered the Narcan. Um, I did a sternal rub, which is where you take your knuckles and rub real hard on the chest cavity and CPR. I kept doing that until the EMS and officers arrived. They then drug her out into the living room and kept doing CPR until she came to. They then took her to the hospital. Later that night, she was released. <clears throat> and she sent me a message that said, without you, my boys would not have their mom. And I'm so grateful that you was there and able to administer it. So um, I've reached out to her since then. She seems to be doing well. She's came to a couple meetings. So she lives to see another day because there's services that we can offer in Narcan. You can go through the training. It doesn't cost anything. So we actually held a Narcan training service and a... When you say we, you're talking about the burn chapter, yes, right? Yes, the burn chapter had set up a um, Narcan training, as well as Sheriff Mayhor from Decatur had came and like gave us a tutorial on the different drugs and how they can be used, concealed. Um, so it was a very good opportunity so in that community they realize that there is an issue and even the mayor off like welcomed everyone into the community to get the help that they need yes narcan has become one of those things that's a part of uh, 
I guess loosely a part of the medically assisted treatment. There are a lot of feelings about Narcan. I believe in the use of it. It gives you that chance. It gives you that opportunity. It's like a heart defibrillator in the sense of if the EMS shows up and your heart's not beating, they're going to go for that. Mm-hmm. Narcan allows that same opportunity. It may take multiple doses, and I know there are reactions, but I also know it saved many lives. I know there's that attitude out there, that stigma. Why go through it? They'll be calling me before I get back to the office. I've heard that. I'm aware of it. I'm okay with that. I'd still rather fault on the side of using Narcan than to be lax and not use it. Many communities have it available free in a locker kind of thing at different locations. I know they have it here in Jay County. I know other counties have it. Check into that. The Overdose Lifeline is a good place to check. I'm not, uh, not clear of what their website is, but if you just Google Overdose Lifeline Indiana, it's going to give you that information. So, Davin, what else is there that you'd like folks to know either about your struggle or the struggle they're facing? Give them some hope and help that they, too, as it says, addicts do recover. I mean, just because you have a mistake or possibly a relapse, it doesn't mean you're not human. We all make mistakes, and with um, recovering addicts, there is a possibility of relapse. It doesn't mean you're any different, but just keep going to meetings, keep reaching out. It, it's a hard road, but it's so worth it. I promise. Um, if you go to ship happens after you do a Narcan training, they do send you free Narcan. Yes. You have to make sure you tell them where your training was received, but they, it's available for free. You can also um, purchase it at CVS. I'm not sure the price, but, um, the meetings are most important. Like just because you've got five, five days or five years, keep going to meetings because you never know what you can take from it or help from another person. That's it. Not only do you need it, others need you there. My experience could help someone else. Their experiences could help me. Absolutely. Whenever you tell your story, you're also telling the story of others. And supporters, like when I first became sober in 2015, 2016, an elder woman wanted to help me and had no idea anything about addiction. She asked questions. She, um, I remember I had cellulitis infection from taking and poking my hand so much I couldn't even lift a can of pop. She went to the vet and she told him that her calf got scratched by a cat and needed antibiotics. Because at that time it was frowned upon, you know, you'd have the police involved. So she went out of her way to kind of shelter me. And... She passed away Monday, so the viewing and service was yesterday and today. So for me to be sitting here today saying I made it is worth it. And she's part of the reason why. Yes. Yeah, she didn't have to step up. No. She chose to. She saw something in you just like God does, the potential and the promise. Yes, even though I wasn't 100% ready she was right there. Yeah, yeah. She would take me to work. Um, she let, allowed me to do a house arrest because I had a violation on probation. Like her and her sons opened their arms and was like, we don't know anything about it, but we're willing to help. And that's the same with any meeting. You've got recovering addicts. You've got supporters. And 
they may not know personally, but they want to learn and they want to be there to help support you in your journey. And that speaks volumes. That's that's what it's going to take. Uh, it's going to take everyone working together, overlooking some of our biases that probably have no validity, but being willing to be seen with each other. Yes. And so, Davin, thank you for your time today. Thanks for sharing your story. You're most welcome. Folks, we just want you to remember not to give up, not to give in, to continue to hold on, continue to fight the battle. Today, you may not find your answer. Tomorrow, you may, or who knows, maybe on our next episode. Stay at it. God bless. Don't give up on yourself and don't give in to the urge. Your answer, your healing, your recovery may be in our next episode. Have faith in your recovery by having faith in yourself, your journey, and above all, God. Believe and stay in the fight.